in the hands of Anthony. Anthony for three. Puts it in. Next by one with 8.2 remaining. Oh, blocked by James. 81 point game. Back out to Allen. His three pointer. Bang! Tie game yes. with five seconds remaining. Curry. Way down to Yo, 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 what's up, team? I'm back, you're back, and we're back in the Bakers. How is everyone doing today? Today is a beautiful Monday, March 1st, 2021, and the New York fucking Knicks are above 500 for the first time in what feels like a lifetime, but we are finally here. You guys loved us having a guest in the last podcast, so I decided to go and get another one. Today is my boy, Zach Rads. Rads is a Division I basketball player at our school, Sacred Heart University. He is from Troy, New York. His hometown actually just named one of those nutritional teas after him, the Zach Attack. Well, the Zach Attack is here live. Rads is number 12 on the court, but number two on this podcast. Rads, what is going on? Mr. Trumbull fucking Bucket. How the fuck are we, baby? It's a beautiful fucking day, like you said. The New York Knicks are on fire. We're fourth in the Eastern Conference. Bobby Schmurd is free. We've been undefeated since he's gone back. Let's talk some New York Knicks basketball. I'm ready. It's a great time. Dude, and you know what it's even better time for? Talk about some CBD before we get into this podcast. You ever use CBD? Use CBD uh, a lot, actually, this year for uh, – my knee and uh, my ankle injuries I had earlier this year. Uh, it's a great product. It can really help you. And there's so many uh, benefits with it. It can help you with your sleep. It can help with anxiety. Uh, CBD can be a really great product for uh, people that uh, need the, need that with uh, those type of issues. So, Dude, I'm going to put you on something right here. I don't know where you usually get your CBD from, but you have to go check out CBDexplore.com. Have you ever heard of them before? I have not, but I well, am. Re- yeah, you're about to hear it right now. So tonight's episode of Back in the Bockers, as usual, is sponsored by CBDExplore.com. Like Zach, if you have ever used CBD, you would know recovery, all that great stuff. That is what it's there for. CBD Explorer has two goals. One of them is to help companies go above industry standard, and the other is to connect with people to explore the benefits of their CBD products in their everyday life. Zach, when you first started using it, you probably asked, what stuff would I like? Well, if you use CBDExplore.com, that's what they want you to ask. They want you to come with those kind of questions because through 10-plus years of experience, it's allowed them to partner with only brands they're proud to partner with. They want you to feel good about exploring. And they give you a cheaper price than any store can offer. That's no cap at all. Currently, they're in a soft launch, actually. So when you head over to CBDExplore.com and sign up, you have a chance to win 500-plus products. And Zach, you know what's better than having a chance to win 500-plus products? What's that, Mr. Trumbull Buckets? When you check out with my code NYX on CBDExplore.com, you get an additional 15% off. So for all your CBD wants, needs, and curiosities, let's head over to CBDExplore.com, sign up for that chance to win, in the soft launch, 500-plus products, and definitely save yourself an additional 15%. You heard that, man. Go and check that out right now. Yes, sir. So, 
like I said before, Zach, you and I were just talking about it. You're a Division One basketball player at Sacred Heart. You said the Knicks were top four in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Let's talk about your season a little bit, finishing top four in the Northeastern Conference. We're heading to the semifinals, you said, this weekend. How do you feel? Man, it is uh, it is a great time here in Secret Heart. Uh, it's been a very uh, one-of-a-kind type of year with uh, the pandemic going on and not even knowing if we we're going to be able to have a season uh, this year. Uh, it's just a very exciting time. Um, we have one of the youngest teams in the country. We were picked to finish dead last in the uh, preseason poll this year. So we proved a lot of people wrong. Uh, and it's just a very uh, – Good feeling. We have a lot of uh, good dudes on our team. Everyone is very supportive of each other. Uh, it's just been a very um, good environment to be in this whole type of year. Uh, I really like this team, and uh, we're on a mission. Uh, we're not done yet, and you know, hopefully uh, we can punch our ticket and go dancing within this next week. Dude, I got confidence in you guys. I'm sure a lot of people listening, maybe you haven't heard of Sacred Heart before, but – it's kind of a slap in the face that they that they expected them to finish last in the conference. Anyone who follows the team even a little bit knows they do an excellent job with recruiting every single year. Uh, Zach, we could probably go through and name a couple guys who essentially use Sacred Heart as almost like a JUCO or like a prep year where, you know, they played one year and they went on to a bigger school. I know senior year of high school, Keen Broom, um, Quincy was with us. I mean, you probably know the list better than me. You want to go through the last few years of these big players who now are at bigger schools? Yeah. Uh, so, since I've gone here, yeah. So, Kane was before me. Uh, he transferred to Cincinnati um, when I entered as a freshman. I played a year with Quincy before he went on to Seton Hall. Um, then we had EJ Anasicki, who just transferred last year to go to Tennessee. Uh, we had Kareem Ogier, who just transferred uh, to UL Monroe. Uh, and then camera for this transfer to Montana. So we have had uh, the transfer bug happen within uh, these last couple of years. But um, all great players, uh, very good friends of all of them still. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, I was very supportive of all their choices, and I'm very happy that uh, they did something that makes them happy. So, Yeah, dude. I mean, that's the positive attitude that comes with being on a team like Sacred Heart. And it's funny – well, that part's not funny. That part's dope for them. <laughs> but, but this team, the way you describe it, sounds a little, little bit like our New York Knickerbockers, no? Expected that- to finish dead last, super young team, said fuck you to that, and look where we are now, Absol- right? Absolutely. I mean, it, and that was just, you know, that was a chip on our shoulder, and that was just motivation right there, uh, you know, we were we were kind of like joked about actually this year. Uh, we took that as a slap in the face. Uh, a lot of people didn't know about somebody uh, that potentially. Well, I mean, I might be biased, but his stats speak for himself. Tyler Thomas, sophomore this year, absolutely killing it, averaging twenty plus. Uh, nobody, nobody even knew about him, and we all knew that he was gonna have a breakout year. Uh, he didn't have he didn't get as much playing time his freshman year as he would like because he was behind a couple guys but if you just watched him in practice or what really uh following the program you knew this kid was going to be something special and he's having an absolutely unreal year also we had Aaron coming back to Aaron's one of the most underrated players no he is the most underrated player in our conference uh 
he's been absolutely balling out this year. He just came back from a big uh, injury with his knee, and he's been hooping ever since. Uh, we have Mike Sixsmith, too, another freshman that just came in, leading the whole entire country in three-point field goal percentage. My man's shooting 55 fucking percent from three. That's unreal and unheard of. Uh, if you look at him, he doesn't pass eye tests at all. 5'11", maybe a buck 70, but, he, you know, he's doing his thing this year. And uh, to mention two other players, too, uh, Alex Watson, uh, one of my best friends here over these last uh, four years. Been through a lot. He's only played in 26 games throughout his whole entire career. Uh, played only averaged a point. 1.7 points per game last year. Starting point guard this year uh, has been one of our clutches players this year. Uh, when it comes down to crunch time, just had a huge game versus FDU on Friday. Uh, and I'm super happy for him. He deserves it. And another one, Cantavio of Detrail, one of the uh, best rebounders in the whole entire country, averaging a double-double this year. And – just to that list right there, man, uh, those people weren't spoken about in the preseason poll at all. And we all knew at the end of the day we had some dogs on our team and we could go. So job's not finished, though, as Kobe said uh, in his interview one time when they asked if he's happy and the, they're in a position they are in the playoffs right now. He said job's not finished. Still more work to do. So going to get at it Saturday in the semifinals, baby. Yes, sir. Hungry dogs run faster. Yes, sir. I fucking love that. So, dude, I mean, I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell you short either. You're a hell of a player. Me and Zach played one on one one time. <laughs> Zach, how tall are you? Six two. Yep, six two. So Zach, Zach is six two. He's obviously a stud if he plays D one. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a slight five seven. A little bit of a height advantage. A little bit of a athletic disadvantage. There was this video of, uh, you know, he's toying with me. He's like posted me up and I and like he's pretty close to the basket on the block and I'm like hands up like jumping trying to block him and he's just holding the ball up with like one hand like looking down at me. Super fucking funny. Hey but, hey, uh, hey man I think you're selling yourself short too though. We we had a good one on one game. You almost you almost beat me that game. I remember that I was at the Bobby V. Listen yes, whoever's listening on this podcast do not do not mess with Trumbull buckets. All right, he might not pass an eye test, but that man can shoot that thing. He's yes, a hungry sir. dog. So do not play with that man. I like to compare myself to Emmanuel quickly. That's <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but I compare myself to IQ. Who growing up? Who did you model your game after? Versus, you know, maybe someone that is in the NBA right now that your game like more correlates similarly to. And then is it similar to anyone on the Knicks right now? So my favorite player of all time is Carmelo Anthony. Um, mm -hmm. Dude's just a dog. Top 10 uh, all-time points ever in NBA history. Uh, loved watching him. Uh, when I first started really uh, loving basketball was when he was at Syracuse and they won a national championship that year. So uh, that's definitely somebody I've always liked to watch. Somebody I like to model my game after is uh, some people might find this funny, but uh, J.R. Smith. Um, I love to shoot like this fadeaway shots. I really try to uh, compare my like form to how he shoots with his leg kick and how he mm -hmm. uh, drops the ball on his shot when he rises up. 
And uh, just his athletic ability, too, when he was back in his prime, uh, I was kind of that typical white kid who just, you know, can only shoot the ball and just stand still in the corner. And that was about it until I finally hit a little bit of a growth spurt and started working on my athleticism. So uh, definitely JR. And I still watch his, uh, you know, tapes to this day, too, just, you know, watching his moves that he uh, does to score the ball and just the energy he plays, too, because that's something – uh, with him, he came off the bench for a little bit uh, in the startup of his career, and that's something I've done throughout college, dealing with injuries and stuff. And I've kind of just, you know, used that as something to fuel me because I, I kind of enjoy it now, just because I can be that spark off the bench, whether we're up or down. So definitely that. And somebody on the team that I would compare myself to this year on the Knicks—that's a good question. It- if I if I can guess someone, I mean it's not super accurate. Obviously, there's only so many players to pick from. I could see you as like a little bit of like an Alec Burks. I was I that's so fun. I was just gonna say him. Yes, I I love Burks' game. He just has that mindset to come in and score the ball. And yep, you know he does his job. You know some some players in the NBA, I think they have trouble at first trying to find a role and they try and do too much at first. But with Burks, he just knows his role is to come in and score the ball. And, like, who doesn't, like, fucking love that? Like, who wouldn't yeah. want to just have that mindset? All right, my job is to come in and just score as many points as possible. And, he, shit, he's been doing his thing for us this year. He comes in. He's a big spark for us. He brings in energy, and he can put the ball in the hoop. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're happy I like you today. I could have easily compared you to Alfred Payton, but <laughs> but I decided not to. You hate um, Alfred Payton, man. Bro, I'm I am an Alfred Payton hater, but dude, in my eyes, part of it is is because it slows us down, and I just love quickly. Like I think quickly could jump into the role, but Derek Rose has done a great job replacing him lately. Yeah, um, and I and I he, I agree with you with some part. I think quickly his time is. Definitely going to – shit, his time has came a little bit, and his role is going to um, evolve even more, definitely, you know, whether it's this season or even next year. But what I do have to say, as of lately, I love how Peyton's been driving to – I think he does play really hard on both ends too. Like he can play defense. He tries his best, you know, to guard the other players' best score all the time. Man. He does on defense. He does bust ass on defense. Yeah, give it to him. But you know, I do think Dibs kind of keeps him in for a little bit too long at times. But I do got to give it to him. He definitely needs to work on the jumper. Uh, it's a little brutal, but for the most part, he plays his ass off on both ends of the floor. And like I said, one thing I do like with him as of lately, he's getting to the bucket really well and finishing. So. What do you think recently about Derrick Rose? Uh, Derrick Rose has been starting. Peyton's been hurt. Um, because Derrick Rose has been doing everything you you kind of just said mm-hmm. that you wish Alfred Payton could do. Yep. The, the thing with Payton that, that annoys me is that he's he's not much of a, of a playmaker. I mean, like, he'll get Randall the ball when he needs yeah. it, but he's not, he's not setting anyone yeah. up. And he kind of plays like he's in quicksand sometimes. Like, he can definitely get to the basket – and he does a good job, especially with a smaller guard on him using his yeah. body. But, dude, sometimes he has the touch of, like, Helen Keller <laughs> out there. Like, dude, like, sometimes he sometimes like he comes within, like, like a foot of the basket, and it's like a finger roll, and it, it like, ends up, like, 
not even coming close to going in. Like sometimes he has horrible touch. I think. Um, but so, what do you think about the Rose situation? I think uh, um, um, with D Rose. Well, first of all, I loved getting him. Uh, he was um a New York guy too back in the day, and you know he's played with Thibs throughout his whole entire coaching career, and I love to pick up first of all because that's a guy that our um young players could look up to because he's been he's been there, he's been through it all. He's been through, he's had his highs, he's had his lows. This dude was the MVP his second year in the league. Uh first team all NBA. This dude's been at the top of the top. And he's also been at the you know, the low the lows with all the injuries he's dealt with. But you gotta love D Rose because man, that dude's just been through a whole a whole lot and he's came back stronger every time. And you gotta love somebody like that too. He plays his ass off. His jumper is way better than, you know, when he first came into the NBA. And he had to fix his game up a little bit because something with him is he uh, depended on his athleticism so much throughout his career. And he put so much force, you know, onto his knees because he was a two-foot jumper. So he had to change up his game, basically, everything, to his jump shot, to, you know, his whole entire offensive game really, you know, not so instead of attacking to the rim and trying to dunk on somebody, it had to be floaters or switching to a mid range game. Um, and now, like I said, too, his jump shot, uh, he's shooting a three ball, you know, well. So, uh, you know, it's actually the best three point shooting of his career up yep. this year, it's the best percentage yeah, he shot. Fun. So, I mean, Derek Rose does do everything great, and what's cool is that you know, like you said, he's someone who's been through it all. But the really cool thing is that these young guys, like, this was like an inspiration to them. A lot, the way, like, a lot of the current guards looked at, like, Allen yeah. Iverson, like, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, uh, the, almost anyone who wears three, yeah. honestly, like, the same way that that worked, where, you know, when they were kids, they were watching Allen Iverson, like, blow their mind. That, that's, you what know, Qu- that's what quickly, guys like RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin and. All That's the young they, bucks. Yeah. They were watching Dude. D. Rose when he was a rookie. How old? Quickly is probably what 10, 11 years old when rookie when uh D. Rose was a rookie in the NBA. Well, dude, how how old were we? We were probably like thirteen, yeah, right? Some, when Derrick Rose was yeah, the MVP, like that. so he was like eight. Yeah, probably. so he he was he's been watching him since he was a little kid. And for any rookie in the NBA, when you have somebody to look up like that, I mean. That's just that's just so cool, you know. That's somebody that they can use as a mentor. They can ask him hundreds of questions and just kind of find their way in the NBA. And you know, there's not you know a lot of better people in the NBA that you could look up to like D Rose. And that's just from somebody who's been at his, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. So you know, they could really pick his brain and ask you know a bunch of questions or you know how it's been and how he got through the injuries. So. I think that was a great pickup. I don't know why some fucking dorks that are that say they're part of the New York uh, Knicks fan base say that uh, they didn't like that pickup, but which I don't understand because we got rid of Dennis Smith Jr. for him, which I don't, I don't. It does make any sense. <laughs> Anyone who says that's an yeah, and you know idiot. you're gonna deal with your idiot, you know, fan sometimes. It's just like. Bro, Dennis Smith Jr., the, the, the dude just wasn't playing, and we got fucking Derrick Rose from. Like, what? Come on. Dude, um, 
But let's get back to the question. What do you think? Like if if Alfred Payton, let's say they he just doesn't let's just put the instance in that Tibbs like realizes what's happened the last three games without Alfred Payton. Because Frank has played extremely serviceable the last couple games. Like Don Farinola was on here last week. He fucking hates Frank. I'm not too much of a Frank hater. Like I I like rooting for him. He, you know, like there's not yeah. much to hate, but but he's played hard. Like you could say that in a way, like well, Rose took Payton's minutes and like quickly almost took like Rose's spot, and now Frank is taking quickly spot. If yeah. that makes sense, like because Rose when he was coming off the bench was mostly the primary yeah. ball handler. In the last few games where we saw Rose and quickly together, quickly didn't really shine. They weren't looking yeah. too hot, but now that. But now that Rose has been in the starting lineup, quickly's led that second unit with the ball, and Frank's been that defensive anchor. We're kind of firing in all cylinders. I think. So, I, I think the do, really interesting thing with the Knicks this year is that, I mean, you could look at their depth chart. We don't have the greatest players, obviously. We don't have any really big stud names besides, you know, Derrick Rose and Julius Randle. But we have a lot of guys that can go and. I think at this point, well, we're overachieving to begin with. Everyone thought we were going to be a fucking right. joke again this year. So I think what Dibs need to do is just, you know, keep going with what's, you know, working right now. And that's what's working. And, you know, we hope Payton comes back healthy and stuff. But, you know, if they continue to keep playing the way they are, you know, I don't see why he would switch up something that's, you know, working for them. But on the other hand, he – I think another interesting thing about the Knicks is they've been able to switch up the rotations a little bit this year. And wait until we get Mitchell Robinson back, too. I mean, Nerwin's Noel. Yeah. That's my boy. Me and Mitchell's yeah, a text. And Nerwin's Noel's really stepped up his game, too. And, you know, that's somebody that you look at with how his career has gone so far, and you're like, ah, uh, this ain't looking so good. Because you go from somebody who – uh almost leads the NBA in blocks, Mitchell Robinson, a big defensive force, and was playing really well for us. And then you substitute him in with neurons in a while, you're kind of like, this might not work. But he's really stepped up his game, and, you know, you got to love that. He's playing uh, well on both ends. He's playing his – you know, he's doing uh, his job. He's playing his role, and, you know, hopefully he can continue that for us. It's that next man up mentality, like you said, about a lot of positions, but especially the way it's Absolutely. been at center. You know that, you know that uh, the guys who lead our teammate defensive stats is Noel with two blocks, yes. obviously, but Mitch with a, like one point mm-hmm. two steals, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I have right in front of me. And what what's kind of funny is we all know his ongoing joke with this team. We have like every Kentucky player possible. <laughs> Randall, like we have Randall, we have Noel. quickly, we have Noel, we have yep. Knox, um, and you know who all their coaches was, yep. was Coach Cal. Derek Rose Shit. was also a yeah. Coach Cal product back back yep. in uh, Memphis, which I feel like they don't talk about too much. And we have Kenny Payne, which is all cool. It kind of yeah, all clicks. We were, so we were just talking about um, the point guard debate. This, is, this part gets me – this is going to get me heated because this is something I love to debate – and I haven't had someone yet come on that thinks okay. opposite of me. You know what I'm. You know what I'm about to say. I think I do, but I need to hear it though. The fa- the fans need to hear it. 
Sure. Are you a Randallist or are you a Toppinist? And for anyone who didn't watch last week's episode, there are there are basically two sides of Knicks fans um, with not too much in the middle. I'm on the right side. I call it the far right, the, the Randallists. That Randall is our all-star. He's playing his fucking dick off. There's no reason to move him in that Obi Toppin does not look ready to assume a position like Julius Randle on a winning team. And anyone who thinks that is what we call the far left, the Toppinist. They want, they have this image in their head that if we trade Julius Randle, then Toppin will come in and for somehow, some way, he will put up Julius Randle type numbers and he, like, he will just become like the next man up star of the league. They, the people on the far left, the Toppinists, want to move Julius Randle so Toppin can assume all the minutes because they think he's going to be an absolute stud from what they've seen. And the far right, like me, want to keep Julius Randle because he's our all-star. He's played super hard. He's the prime reason we are the sole – we have the sole possession of the fourth seed um, and that Obi Toppin just stays back up. Zach, Rad, which side are Listen. you? Listen. I say this with all due respect. For anybody out there that wants to get rid of Julius Randle for Obi Toppin, I want you to go hang up hang up on this podcast right now. Just stop listening. You guys all listening to fans? I want you guys to go get off this. Dial 911. Get to the fucking hospital and go get brain surgery. Because you guys sound like fucking morons. Julius fucking Randle is the only, I'm not the only reason, I don't want to say that. He's obviously the biggest reason to our success this year. I don't know what the fuck you guys are smoking. I don't know what you guys are drinking, but stop smoking it and stop drinking it. Uh, I am Julius Randall, 110 fucking percent. It's not even close. Um, I want to hear you say it. Our, say you are oh, a I'm Randallist. I am on the far right. Randallist, and I'm as far right as you could possibly be. And listen, let's fucking. I, I, I love Obi, and this is no disrespect to Obi either, but like he's playing behind a, a guy that's just made the all star team. I mean, the guy is hooping this year. He's almost averaging a triple double for Christ's sakes. And he's, he's our top guy. I don't know who's saying this, but like I said, Stop listening to this and fucking go down 911 because you need some serious help. But to bring it back to Obi, though, too, Obi's time is going to come. He's still a young rookie. He's still trying to find his way. He's still trying to find his role kind of on our team. He's still trying to develop his game. His time is going to come, and hopefully in the future we could have him uh, and uh, Randall on the court at the same time as each other. But what Obi has to do right now, he kind of just has to develop all, you know, his whole entire game. All, all around. around. You know, we all know the dude's a freak athlete. He can jump out of the building. He can run. And, you know, that's all good and everything. And it worked in college. But, obviously, the NBA is the next level. And everyone is his size. And everyone can jump just as high as him. But Obi can be very, very good. And I think he's going to be really good still um, once he really develops his game and works on it. And we could really use him in the future too. You know, if this he works on his jump shot, his pull-up game, his post-up game, his face-up game, he can work on a lot of stuff. But 
if he can continue to just keep coming in and, you know, being an energy guy and running the floor and getting some dunks, you know, get us going. And I think that's really all he needs to do throughout, you know, the rest of this season. But I am, but I am as far oh, right exactly. as you fucking could oh. possibly be. I get you. I, I want you to try to put in perspective for some of the people watching because not a lot of people have the same perspective as you. We, I want you, in just a few words, tell us what the transition from like high school and AAU to Division I basketball is like, and then we can even imagine the greater jump from Division I basketball to the NBA. And then did you play in the game against Arizona yes, a few years ago? That was, uh, that was actually what, my first um, uh, game of my uh, uh, college career, which uh, – I'll get to, I'll get to that uh, awesome. after um, I answer the first part. Uh, the transition from high school to AAU to the, to I don't even want to say Division One too. At all divisions is very tough. I mean, just coming from a physical standpoint, uh, uh, even a me- mental standpoint too. I mean, it's just a different ball game. Uh, for me personally, uh, it was a big adjustment. Uh, luckily, I grew four inches. Uh, going into my junior year of high school. So I went from five, eight to six foot that year. Um, so that really helped me in the recruiting process because like I said earlier, I was kind of just that, you know, little skinny white kid who could just shoot the ball. And I stood, you know, still in the corner and just waited uh, for the ball to come to me. But I was able to develop my game and really get uh, bouncy, uh, get my athleticism up and, like I said, the height obviously helped out a lot too. And another big thing for me too is I just really crushed the weight room uh, going into my freshman year of college. Uh, so that's one thing. The physicality of Division One basketball is just, you know, it, it's hard and it's, you know, difficult out there, especially as a freshman too. So, you know, you're paving the way for yourself and you got to really work. But, um, yeah, no, that I played against Arizona my freshman year, my first game. Um unreal uh environment place is sold out uh so something they do there is they don't allow fans in i guess or day until like the 15 minute mark or some shit so we're actually fucking warming up and lab lines nobody in the crowd we're so confused i have no idea what's going on and we go in twice during the 60 minute uh warm-ups we have we go in at like the 30 minute mark and somewhere near the 10 minute mark so we're going in right before the game at like twelve minute mark, you know, just to, you know, do the pregame stuff and you know, the matchups and all that. <laughs> so we're getting to the curtain. We hear the plays going fucking nuts. We're like, yo, what the fuck? Because we we're just warming up with nobody in there. No one there. No one there. They have us go right through the student section. Place is fucking packed. You know, place oh is my packed. God. I was like, holy fucking shit. You know. At the same time, like, yo, this is so dope. At the same time, you know, anybody who says they're not nervous for their first college game, they're lying, especially when you're playing the number – yeah, especially when Cap, you're playing the yeah. number four ranked team in the whole entire country at Arizona, Sean Miller. They, they had Roy Alkins, Alonzo Trier, Lori Markinen. Um, Who else did that? Well, those are just – yeah, those That's are just three scary. big names right there, but – um. Oh yeah, they were they were fucking really good. And what's also funny too is uh 
Shaq was there because it was Sharif's official visit. So his big ass was on the sidelines. And I got to see him for the first time in person. That man's absolutely the biggest human being I've ever seen in my life. So the place was just unreal. And you know the music, uh, the college basketball music uh, with the band plays when they come out for warm-ups and shit. So the place was jumping. It was unreal. And when I actually checked in, like, you know, after I ran up and down the first couple of times, you know, I was getting into it. But, you know, I was was shitting my pants. I'm not going to even lie. What does um, – you don't have to get into it too much. Like, maybe there isn't a difference. I, I obviously wouldn't know. What mm-hmm. does the difference look like from um, when you play a team like St. Francis, PA, or uh, LIU, Brooklyn, whatever they're called now? Someone like in the NEC or a, uh, a mid-major versus playing a team like Arizona. Are they, are they bigger, faster, and stronger? Like, what is it? What is um, the the drop off or like the the difference really, and there might not even be one. You kind of you kind of just said it really just from a physicality and athletic standpoint. I mean, dudes are a lot bigger. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I would, I don't want to say stronger, but like you know, they're just all around bigger. And yeah. I think that's I think that's you know the difference between a high major and low major kid Mm -hmm. at times you know because i think a lot of what recruiting is in ncaa is baseball potential which is a hit or miss because that could really fuck over some coaches but at the same time it has helped out a lot of coaches but uh i think it really just comes from an athletic and physicality standpoint um and obviously you know high major kids are you know one of the top recruited kids in the country but at the same time for you know a mid-major and low-major schools you know, you get somebody like a uh, diamond in a dozen and they just, you know, didn't get recruited as much as they should. And, you know, they had to not settle, but, you know, they had to pick. Like an Obi Toppin, like, dude. You don't have to keep explaining it. Like an Obi Toppin is a perfect example. Yes. Played, he exactly. didn't get recruited out of high school and he was the eighth pick national player of the year uh, after a senior. A hundred percent. And just to make it clear to anyone, we have all the respect in the world for players who play at all three divisions in any sort of conference on any sort of team. Um, Absolutely. It, and it I, is I, just, I'm actually a big, uh, that's actually like a really big thing for me. Cause I see like, you know, social media is a huge thing nowadays and right. I see, you know, division two and, you know, three athletes kind of get shit on sometimes in there. And like, it, it's, I, you know, I even say Mary Mac, they were a division two team before they just came into our conference last year. Those dudes won our conference. Unfortunately, they couldn't play in the um, conference tournament because of NCAA rules and stuff because you had to wait out four years. But that's just a prime example right there. Like, there are dudes out there that can really fucking hoop, but they just didn't, you know, get recruited as much as they should. So I have all the respect in the world for anybody that's a student athlete because it's a grind and – you know, it's it's a tough process at first. So I have much respect for anybody who can, you know, grind it out and get it done. Yeah, definitely. And coming from someone like me who, who like, wishes I could have grown fucking six inches between my junior year of high school and freshman year of college. Um, but but you've played, you've played high school. You've obviously played uh, varsity. You've played AAU. you played college. You've been part of winning teams. You've been part of teams that haven't won. And the Knicks are, in, are one of those teams that 
that are in that we're in that switch. We just made a major culture change. We are a winning team now. In your basketball experience, what's the biggest culture changer? Does is it that you know you get you get hot, you start clicking, winning solves all? Is it? Um, I have in one of my notes here like recruiting, but we'll re- apply it to the NBA where it's like getting a guy like a Derrick Rose or signing a couple guys that bring in like that new mindset. Do, is it a guy like Tibbs? What What is it in your basketball experience? And then I want you to tell me what you actually think it is with this team. So I, from my experience, um, I think it's all about, you know, the first man on the roster all the way to the last. And that's <clears throat> uh, the whole entire team buying into the system and accepting their roles. Because uh, I've been in some locker rooms that have, and I hate using this term, but there have been players that have just been cancers to the team and haven't bought into the system. Uh, just kind of, you know, they, they give you a bad vibe and, you know, they don't make you look forward to like, you know, being there, but, you know, for just our team this year, like, you know, I, I dealt with an injury bug again throughout this whole entire year, but like I, st- I've enjoyed literally just going to practice and just sitting and watching because every single guy on our team, are such good people and we all support each other. And that's just, you know, something that you really need to embrace and, you know, love because, you know, that doesn't come by a lot. It really doesn't. And, you know, when you find, you know, those right pieces in that team, it's really a joy to be a part of. And um, now speaking for the NBA and specifically the Knicks, I think for the NBA, it's, you know, obviously recruiting and getting like, you know, big time players like you know obviously you know they can go all go fuck themselves but like you know the Brooklyn Nets you know when they get Kevin Durant and uh Kyrie Irving obviously you know somebody like James Harden is gonna be oh you know I should go here but you know at the end of the day they can still go fuck themselves fuck yeah you, fuck them fuck you, with, Kyrie. The Knicks, with the Knicks the Knicks this year I think kind of like I said with our team you know they they're all buying into the system and accepting their roles. Um, I think the biggest key has been Thibs because Thibs, Thibs is just that hard-nosed guy. He's all defense first. Um, he really brought – that was like a specific point is we're going to sit down and we're going to lock the fuck up. And obviously that's what we've done this year. That's been a big thing. You know, we can talk about Julius Randle, you know, all day, but – when it does come down to it, too, we got some guys that really uh, take pride on defensive side, and they're really sitting down. Uh, they're getting to their spots. Um, but that's – yeah, I think that's the thing, though. Uh, I think Thibs has been a very big culture change and really changing up how, you know, New York Knicks play basketball. Because, you know, that's never really been – I don't really want to talk about the past anymore, obviously, as I'm sure no fans do. But I feel like we've – you know, not really ever like cared about playing defense. And that's been a big thing for us this year. It's just really taking pride on our defense. Yeah, dude, I totally, I totally agree. Um, I kind of talked about it in the last pod, but there was an interview with Derek Rose and they asked him like, what have you seen from Thibs this year on the Knicks that you hadn't seen from him in the past, whether it was with Chicago or Minnesota? And he said, well, Thib spot, smiles a lot more here. I, yeah, and, I saw that. <laughs> and then they asked, they asked Thibs, um, 
like they said, like Derek Rose said, you smile a lot more now. Why is that? He said this team, they play hard and they play hard for each other each and every night. Yep. That's important. Um, I agree with you on your points 100%. And I, I also agree, I don't think it's anywhere close to solely this guy, but someone that you would always want in your locker room is a guy like Theo Pinson, who when you watch those games, man, he is standing up the whole time. He's like a little kid on Christmas Day every time the Knicks are out there. He's Gotta watching. Theo, man. Dude, he's watching his boys. He is getting rowdy. He's someone that I really admire because you like, I've never been like a super dominant player on basically any of the teams I've ever played on, but I'm out there. Like, I like to have a loud voice on the bench. I like to, I like to be like, if I, like almost like a six guy out there. I'm screaming. I'm yelling. I'm their biggest fan. I want nothing but to see the five that are out there succeed and the next five, six, seven guys go in there and kill it. And I think Theo is a lot like that. Um, but we're only halfway through the year, Zach. You there? Um, go off. We're halfway through the year. What do you think we need to do to sustain this success that we have created in the first 35 games of the year that we need to hold up for the next uh, 35? Um, I think the biggest thing is just staying consistent and not getting too full of ourselves. I mean, obviously for fans like us, you know, we're at the top of the top right now. Like this hasn't happened to us in 10 fucking years. So we're, you know, really excited. And obviously the team's really excited. So, you know, and that's a good thing. But to really keep this going, you know, there's another whole half of the season is really staying consistent. And hopefully everyone continues to stay healthy, which is, a big thing, you know, with all sports, especially in the NBA is, you know, making sure everyone stays healthy, you know, there's no injuries. Um, but yeah, man, just staying consistent. Uh, hopefully Julius Randle can keep up the year that he's having. I think his confidence level is obviously at an all time high. So if he can continue playing the way he is, we can keep building up uh, off all the energy he's bringing and stuff. So just really the consistent part. Because uh, yeah, that's yeah. you know that's one thing because it's a long season you know obviously eighty two games that's a long year and you know we're obviously you know hoping to get in the playoffs this year so that's another two to three months right there too so it's hard being able to stay consistent throughout you know a whole entire year like that definitely and I I think the biggest thing is um you you touched on it was staying consistent and not and obviously you don't want injuries. Something that has kind of uh, put a bad taste in my mouth with Thibs a little bit is like the he's reluctant to like sit guys sometimes. Like I'm not talking about when we're up up in games. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about when it's a close game or we're down. But like last night, um, we were at Detroit. We were dismantling them the whole time, mm-hmm. and like got like Noel is our only healthy center right now. He played 41 minutes the night before in home against Indiana, and there was no reason to play him 41 minutes again in Detroit. Like, we don't need Randall out there. We don't need Barrett out there, especially not Rose. We all know Rose's history. It's like in a game like that and like a game 
uh, like we did it in Sacramento. We had all like the the second lineup out there, some of the scrubs. Yeah. But games like last night are the ones that you know someone falls the wrong way, Noel catches a lob and rolls his ankle, which can definitely happen. That's like a huge like, what the fuck was I thinking? Knock that's just something. Wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knock on wood. Um, but I just think that that's a little bit of I don't know if you want to call it a concern. Just as like coach, the fuck like we're up. Yeah. I think I think that this All Star break. Um, is coming at a perfect time for us. I think we de- yeah. our guys definitely could use the rest. I I think this All Star break is going to make or break us. Um, this team this team likes to get hot in stretches and they like to go cold in stretches. So yep. I hope that uh, you know the stretch we come out of in the All Star break is one that sets a tone for yeah. for playoffs. Yeah. So I mean, I got a lot of. Faith and Fibs, uh, you know, he's obviously his track record speaks for itself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's had a very successful coaching career in the NBA. Um, I think, you know, we just got to keep trusting in, you know, what he does. Because uh, we, you know, he obviously sees a lot of stuff because, you know, he's one, the coach, and two, he's on the floor and there at the game. And, you know, fans like us, Obviously, at times we're like, "Yo, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is right. he in? Why is he out? Why are they playing? You know, this amount of minutes. Why is uh, he playing? You know, this amount Not of minutes, enough minutes. Yeah. But you know, I think we just got to keep trusting him. I mean, obviously, nobody thought we'd be anywhere in this position. We were a lot of fans were would be happy if we just won five games at this point. Let's be honest with each other. Looking at the roster we had at the start of the season. So, you know, he's gotten us to this position right now. So just we got to keep trusting him uh, and what he, you know, plans on doing for us for the rest of the season. And he's obviously done an amazing job so far. So I have all the faith in the world that he's going to continue that. Dude, I I couldn't agree more with some of those points. Sometimes – you know, you, as a fan, you got to take a backseat, let coach do coach. Yeah, you know, um, they, they watch, you know, obviously we're not in the locker room watching film with them, you know, all the individual films, all the players doing stuff. So, you know, he's got on us the record that we are right now. I mean, so we just got to keep trusting him. Right now it doesn't look too good because we are the four seed and they are the two. Zach Rads. Just say it. Who do you want in the playoffs in the first round? Come here, Brooklyn. Bring us Brooklyn. We say it day in and day out. Come here, Brooklyn. Fuck the Nets. Fuck Brooklyn. We're coming for them. We want them. I can't. We can't even put into words how bad we want Brooklyn in the first round. New York basketball. Katie and Kyrie. I don't give a fuck about you you two. You guys fucked us over. You guys gave us false hope. So. Whatever, man. Fuck him. Dude, the only reason why I hope I wish Kevin Durant was on this team is so that when Jason Collins come on, comes on to this podcast, he says he wants to fuck Katie so hard in the ass he can't walk again. <laughs> That's the only reason I'd want Kevin Durant on this team. <laughs> fuck Kevin Durant. Fuck Kyrie. Fuck the Nets. Bring us Brooklyn in the first round. Let's get it, man. But boys, girls, whoever's watching, we appreciate having you. Zach, I want to say thank you very much again for coming on. This was an absolute pleasure. Let's keep back in these buckets. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on, Mr. Trumbull Buckets. Go fucking New York. Yes, sir. Go New York. Go New York. Go. We love to hear it.
Let's back the Bockers. Let's keep pushing. Let's finish this half of the season strong. Zach, let's get yes. it, dude. Have a great rest right, of your you night. you too, my guy. Go fucking New York. Yes, sir. Let's go.